welcome to the sermon webcast of Good News Lutheran Church of Mount Moore, Wisconsin. The following sermon was preached on Sunday, December 23, 2018, on the basis of Philippians 4, verses 4 through 7. Number one, affirm the miraculous and the magical. Number two, take time to reflect. Number three, make generosity part of your tradition Number four, focus less on getting gifts and more on creating connections. And finally, number five, make space for silence. Those are five strategies offered by the magazine Psychology Today in an attempt to help you and your loved ones get into the spirit of the season. It's something we hear a lot about around this time of year, right? We're told to find the spirit of the season and really get into the spirit of the holidays, but that sort of often raises a question, at least in my mind, what exactly is that? I suppose different people would offer different answers, but I think two words that almost always come up in any discussion of the spirit of the season are peace and joy. Joy, uh, a deep and intense happiness, the thing that puts warmth in your heart and a smile on your face, and peace, calm, security, ease, the exact opposite of stress, anxiety, and worry. Joy as in joy to the world, the Lord has come, and peace as in sleep in heavenly peace. Peace and joy are plastered all over Christmas, aren't they? I think just about anyone would agree that peace and joy are two important elements of the spirit of the season. I think a lot of people would also agree that peace and joy are two of the most difficult things to find this time of year. I'm sure you're the exception to that. If someone had been following you around all week, if they had been with you at work, if they had been with you in the car, if they had been with you in line at the store and in your home and with your family and at the dinner table, and then they had to use two words to describe you, I'm sure they would say, calm and happy. I'm sure you're the exception to the rule, but maybe, just maybe, for some of us in the room, peace and joy are incredibly difficult to find, maybe especially this time of year, which makes it all the more natural why a magazine like Psychology Today would offer us a strategy for trying to find those things, trying to get into the spirit of the season. If you've been worshiping with us the past couple of weeks, you know we've been talking about this idea of Christmas undercover, how God often gives us his greatest gifts in the places that we would last expect to find them. And we're going to see that once again today as we talk about these wonderful gifts of peace and joy. God wants us to have those things in our lives, but to find them, he points us in a seemingly odd direction. As we look at these verses from Philippians chapter 4 today, here's what we're going to see. And by the way, I think I've set a record for the longest sermon theme ever in the history of the world. I know you're not nearly as interested in that as I am, but here it is. Here's what we're going to see. The last place that you would expect to find the spirit of the season is the very place where you will find it, but for far more than just a season. A little bit of background on these verses. Paul was writing a letter to these Christians in the city of Philippi. And as he wrote them, he was in prison. In fact, Paul had been in custody for more than two years now. He had been arrested in Jerusalem for preaching about Jesus. He was held there until he was transferred to Caesarea, another city in Israel. And he was held there until he was eventually transferred all the way to Rome, where he was waiting to stand trial before Caesar himself, the head of the entire Roman Empire. 
Imagine getting pulled over for a speeding ticket or stopped for jaywalking. And two years later, after hearing after hearing and trial after trial, you are still in prison and waiting for your case to be heard before the Supreme Court. These were the circumstances under which Paul wrote this letter to the Philippians. And so as he wraps it up in these verses, as he sort of puts a a neat and tidy bow on what he wants to tell them, it's a bit surprising to hear these words. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. There it is, joy, a big part of the spirit of the season, a deep and intense happiness, the thing that puts warmth in your heart and a smile on your face. And notice how Paul wants us to have that joy, not just for a season, not just for a month out of the year. He wants us to have that joy always. As surprising as it is to hear a man who is in prison talk about joy, even more surprising is where he tells us to get it. He says, let your gentleness be evident to all. A little more background that we need to know. The city of Philippi in what we would call northern-day Greece, in Paul's day it was used as a military colony. So if you were a soldier or a general in the war, when you retired, they didn't reward you for your faithful service by sending you a monthly pension check, but maybe, just maybe, they would give you a plot of land in a city to live with you and to live with your family and... Philippi was just one, one sort of city where this kind of thing would happen. And so this is who lived in Philippi, retired military personnel. People who knew what strength and power and force were all about. People who knew what to do when someone was standing in their way. In fact, I can't help but wonder if the second these retired generals and soldiers found out that Paul had been wrongfully imprisoned, if they started, sort of started to hatch a plot to get him out. You know, send in the Delta Force, Bravo Company. We'll we'll parachute in under the cover of darkness. We'll extract the asset, and then we'll bring him to safety. I don't know if that's what they were thinking, but I would imagine they were surprised when all of a sudden this letter shows up from Paul, and he says, let your gentleness be evident to all. Gentleness is the exact opposite of what comes most naturally to someone in the military, perhaps. Gentleness is the opposite of aggression. Gentleness is the willingness to refuse, to to insist on whatever it is that you think you rightfully deserve. Gentleness means being willing to be wronged, willing to be ignored, willing to be taken advantage of. I'm guessing that gentleness didn't come very easily to these Christians who were ex-military in Philippi. To people who are used to dealing with strength and power, gentleness, well, gentleness looks a lot like weakness. It's not. In fact, it's the exact opposite of that. And, and Paul helps us see that by what he says next. He says, let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Paul wants us to know that when we put this gentleness on display, we are putting into practice the characteristic, the trait that Jesus himself embodied to its fullest. In fact, talk about the spirit of the season. You could take that word gentleness and just plaster it all over the Christmas story. That here, God's own son, the one who made all things and rules all things and owns all things, the one who by right deserves the honor and the glory and the praise, the the highest of those things that could possibly be given, and yet he gives that all up. He willingly becomes a tiny baby and is placed in a feeding trough for cattle and makes himself dependent on a young unwed mother for everything that he needs. But in the process, by doing that, he, as everyone else around him, is running around trying to scratch and claw for every last crumb of power and wealth and glory that they can find. He 
himself changes the course of history forever and rescues the entire human race from the certain and well-deserved doom we were heading for. Gentleness is not weakness. It's just the opposite of that. Only someone who has something can willingly give it up. Only someone who knows what belongs to him can willingly refuse to insist on having it. Only someone who is really in control can let everyone around them do whatever they want and know that in the end their plans and their purposes will succeed. And this gentleness that Paul encourages us to put into practice is most fully embodied in Jesus. When we display this gentleness, we can be confident. The Lord is near. This is where he's at. This is how he works. Here's why that's important. See, we have our own ideas about where we can find joy in our world. Maximize the pleasure, minimize the pain. How's that working out for us? We have constant entertainment at our disposal. We can entertain ourselves endlessly these days. We've got apps and games and YouTube videos of cats dancing and epic fails at our fingertips anytime that we want. There's almost not a single behavior or single lifestyle that we would choose for ourselves deciding that it would make us happy where someone would say to us, no, you can't do that or where we wouldn't be able to find a lot of people who would just cheer us on and tell us to go for it. We've systematically eliminated just about everything unpleasant and painful from our lives. We've found a cure for just about every disease, and we fully expect to find a cure for the ones where we haven't yet. By that definition, we should be the happiest people who have ever lived. Are we? So instead, God invites us into something far better. When he puts this blessing of joy undercover, when he tells us to find this joy in gentleness, when he invites us to, first of all, remember everything we have in our Savior Jesus. That because of him and through him, we are children of God. We are heirs of a glorious throne and a marvelous inheritance. And in fact, we are the subjects of his gracious rule of all of human history. Which means that even when someone else gets to go first, even when we don't get what we want, even when our ambitions fail, not only do we not have to sweat those things because of what we know we possess... In fact, our attitude can be just the opposite. That when those things take place, when gentleness is needed, that's when the Lord is near. When we can be most confident that he is present and at work in our lives. Instead of only being joyful and only being happy when we get everything that we want, God invites us to find joy even when, maybe especially when, we don't. The last place you'd expect to find the spirit of the season is the very place where you're going to find it and not just for a season. Joy in gentleness, Paul says. All right, so we're halfway there. We've got joy. What about peace? Peace, that, that deep and intense calm, ease and security, the lack of stress, anxiety and worry. When life seems uncertain, when life seems unsafe, how in the world can we possibly have Peace. Well, here's what Paul says. He says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. So when you face something uncertain or unsafe, Paul says, find peace in prayer. Prayer kind of gets a bad rap these days, doesn't it? 
something bad happens and you tell someone you're going to pray about it or pray for them, that kind of has become synonymous for saying that you're going to do nothing, or at least that's the accusation that might be made. And you know what? In a certain sense, it's true. Prayer is synonymous with doing nothing. Prayer is taking something out of your hands and placing it in the hands of God. And Paul says that's the secret to peace. To take whatever might potentially bother you, and instead of letting it bother you, to place it in God's hands, to take it to him in prayer. Now, that doesn't mean that we don't do or can't do what God has given us to do to ensure that we have a safe and secure future for ourselves and for our children. But here's how it normally goes. We convince ourselves that we can take care of everything, right? Everything's fully within our power to handle, and then, of course, we quickly find out that that's not the case. We get to the limit of what we can control, and because we've been depending on ourselves all along, as soon as we reach that limit, then that's when the worry and the stress and and the anxiety kick in. Paul says, how about this instead? How about right off the bat, you simply entrust everything in your life, everything about your safety and your security to God, And then you go about doing the things that he wants you to do and using the resources that he's given you to use. But then if and when you reach the limit of those things, you reach the end of your ability to control things, rather than getting stressed and worried and full of anxiety, you can simply remember that all along you've been depending on God for your safety and security in the first place. Paul says this is where you can find peace. Not in your plans, not in your power, but rather in God's, rather in prayer. Why is that the case? Well, Paul goes on to explain. He says, The peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. I can't help but think that here Paul is sort of toying with those retired generals and soldiers in the city of Philippi. Because when he says the peace of God, the peace that transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds, he's using a military term. You hear that word and you should picture a soldier who has a gun, and who has training in combat, standing guard to protect something very important. That thing will be safe. Paul wants us to know that the peace of God, the security that we have in Jesus, our guaranteed eternity with him is like that guard that is standing watch day and night, that never needs a break, that never needs rest, standing guard over our hearts and minds, giving us a peace that far exceeds, that far supersedes anything that we could come up with on our own. And here's why that's important. Some might make the case that our world is becoming less and less a safe and secure place. Or at the very least, our confidence in safety and security is getting smaller and smaller. Just think about it. Our federal government seems to be a little bit broken and is in fact shutting down. The stock market recently has done a number on your nest egg, hasn't it? And people are already starting to talk about potentially the next recession coming our way. Lots of discussion, lots of debate over whether now is the right time to pull out of a very volatile part of the world, possibly creating a void there that our enemies will fill. And all of that was just this past week. Sleep in heavenly peace? Good luck with that. So where will we find it? I can tell you right now your financial advisor doesn't have it. You can write a letter to your congressman, but all the political activism in the world isn't going to do it. I know for sure more sleepless nights and gray hairs and stress and anxiety isn't going to accomplish much of anything. Instead, God invites us to enjoy a peace that is far better than any of that. 
the peace of our guaranteed eternity with God, standing watch over our hearts and minds, giving us a peace that nothing else can rival. The ability to know that one day we can push those little baby birds out of the nest, hopefully before they turn 30 years old, and we can send them out into a world that no matter how unsafe it is, nothing, nothing can possibly touch them because their security is guaranteed. Rather than finding our peace in our plans or our power, God invites us to find our peace in his, to find our peace in prayer. The last place that you would expect to find the spirit of the season is the very place where you will find it, and for much more than just a season. You know, I think by the time we reach today, Sunday, December 23rd, Christmas that we've been, we've been looking forward to for so long, Christmas is, is upon us, and maybe even Christmas is sort of like a wall. You know, the kind of wall that costs $5 billion and causes the government to shut down every now and then. Sorry. But Christmas is sort of like a wall that we can already see past, that we can already see over. We can already picture the presents all having been opened, the mountain of dishes that need to be washed, and the house that needs to be cleaned up. We can maybe already picture having to go back to work and all of the tasks and all of the projects that we had kind of put off until after the holidays, suddenly they're piled high on our desk. And maybe it already seems today that whatever little glimpses of peace and joy that we had been working hard to find this Christmas season are already evaporating quickly. And maybe that's okay. Because true peace and true joy were never meant to be found in those things in the first place. Instead, true peace and joy are only found in Jesus. Which means that long after the season is over, the peace and joy that Jesus brings won't be. Amen. For more information about Good News Lutheran Church, visit www.goodnewslc.org. 